I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, September 16, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY, or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. There's a couple of things that are of note on this chart. We're going to get to them all. You'll notice right off the bat, there's a different trend line on the chart, 297.50. We'll get to that in a moment. First, we have to talk about the bigger picture. A few days ago, we began discussing the fact that my belief was that the market had a pretty good chance to top out between Friday and Tuesday. So here we are on Monday, and it appears that the top thus far was last Thursday. This is a doji candle from Thursday. This red candle is Friday's activity, and today we have a down day. Not all by that much, but a down day nevertheless. And therefore, may we have a top in? Do we have a top in? Is the top in? is the question of the day, of the week, of the month. The answer is, we have a top in until and unless the market, in this case the SPY, closes above the high from last Thursday. What if the top is in? What should happen following a top? We should see selling in the market. We didn't really see selling today, and one thing that's interesting to note about that, we did have a geopolitical event, if you want to call it that, over the weekend. There was a strike on oil fields in Saudi Arabia. Apparently, and I'm not sure this is confirmed or unconfirmed, doesn't really matter. Apparently, the disruption can impact at least 7% of the daily supply. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less. Doesn't really matter what the number is. The point is, oil spiked up huge today. Not huge with an H, it's actually huge Without the H, that's even bigger. We'll get to crude oil later. We'll obviously talk about it. It's on the move. We want to know where the upside potential is and what the heck is going on with crude oil as it relates to all the other markets and the geopolitical events. We're going to get to that. We'll talk about that later on. Let's cut down to brass tacks on the S&P. You see a trend line on the screen, 297.50. It's a little bit arbitrary It could be 298, it could be 297. Somewhere in that zone, if the market were to find itself down there, should find an assemblance of support. What's the safety net? Well, the safety net is essentially the low from the 10th, which is 295.97. For all intents and purposes, hourly closes below 296, and they're likely going to go run and fill this gap down here into these moving averages. That's a big gulp all at once. It's about 60 S&P handles from where we are. Obviously, that can happen in a flash. Going back to the strike on the oil fields for a moment, I do find it interesting how the market basically shrugged that off. We're hanging around the big fat round number of 300 on the S&P, 3,000 in the SPY. What does that mean? So far, it means the bulls are playing defense at 300. Think of it as taking a goal line stance around the big fat round number. Couple of things of note. What happens if the market starts trading above the highs from last Thursday? What happens if we begin to get hourly and then certainly a daily close above that high? What do you do? 
Do you hop on board? Do you short it? Well, sitting here before it happens with no idea whether it will or will not happen, we can't say what to do, but here's what you need to know. If the market starts closing up there and does so at least two more days in a row, for example, three, four, then something different is going on. There's higher prices in the making. We're not looking for downside. We're looking for another area that the market's headed to. We would still be looking for a top, only it wouldn't have been the one from last Thursday. The destination will have been different. And that's precisely how a trader must think. You have to take the market that's in front of you and make decisions based on the information that's coming in real time. What we don't do, and we know this, we've said this for a long, long time, we do not trade on hopium. We don't trade the market we want it to be. We trade the market that it is. Right now, we have a top until we don't. Last Thursday is a top, in my book, The next target, if the market should continue in the southern direction, is around 297.5, give or take a little bit on either side. Where does that come from? We're going to look at some other charts and we're going to decipher where that comes from. Before we do that, you're going to have to listen to me blabber on about inside the numbers. Early this morning, we obviously began discussing the impact of the markets that the strike on the crude oil fields in Saudi Arabia had over the weekend. We began discussing the big fat round number of 3000 SPY 300. We also began discussing where the market was hanging around for a long time in the early morning hours. So we're looking at the hourly chart and the base of the most recent breakout area, approximately ES2995, give or take, or breakup candle low. Funny how that works. That's where the ES actually found support. We're noting that the bulls need an hourly close and especially the market to open above that level. If not, the bears would have basically grabbed the ball and ran downfield right away. You can see what else was on the board. We're going to roll up and take a look at some of the notes that went on throughout the day. About 9.45, the big fat round number of 3,000 is obviously important. If they get and stay above, they'll try and fill the gap around 30.10. The big fat round number becomes resistance once the market drops below. Once the market's back above, it becomes supportive. We're noting early on, right out of the gate, the IWM is not down, which is interesting. Everything else was at the time. Here's the next two. 9.55, buy the dip crowd shows up, trying to drive price north to close the gap. Now, we're pretty much established the range. We're pretty much established where the low of the day is. That's the low of the day range. It's important. Turns out it was important. It was important. It's usually important. 80% of the time, using the 80-20 rule, garden variety market behavior, it's important. Therefore, it's the bogey on the south side. Rolling up to about 10.05. Again, the opening range. 3,004 on the upside. 29.95 on the downside. Above, they'll likely fill the gap. Below, they'll likely tack on another 10 handles in the southern direction. That didn't happen, but we have to know both sides of the tape. In between, which is where we stayed most of the day, in between is no man's land, a.k.a. chop shop. There's not much you can do with a chop shop other than most traders get chopped up. 
The rest of it was pretty much how you would expect. And the reason we don't have to go through it is because the market stayed in a very narrow range all day long. So that being said, let's take a closer look at what that really looks like, what it means, what it means for us going into tomorrow. The first thing we'll take a look at is the hourly chart. So what jumps off at this chart at me is a couple of things. First, we have a down move and now we have a bear flag or a bearish consolidation pattern going on, which will generally promote prices in the southern direction. And you'll note from a symmetrical standpoint, it might look like the 297.50 is a little lower than it should be. We'll leave that alone for now. For now, this will generally promote prices to the southern side, southern direction, lower. How does that get ruined for the bears looking for lower prices? Instead, you wake up to a gap higher, they run up and either open up above the gap or they run up and fill the gap, get stuck, and we see what happens from there. And that's the benefit of the three-pillar approach, if you will. These videos is an ongoing education series, if you will. The Lazy E-Mini Trader course is the course where you learn how the market really works. You get the why behind all this stuff. So you're not left out in the middle of the lake with no oars in the boat. We know what we're looking for on the upside. We know what we're looking for on the downside. We know what no man's land looks like, like a day like today, for example. And we have to wait for the market to essentially clear up to give us the signal of what's happening next. And that's really the third pillar, which is inside the numbers. You're getting a tour guide through the market every single day. What happens when we stretch it out and look at a 120-minute chart? Do we see anything different? We essentially see the same thing. You see the SPY has been riding its 20-period moving average, which, by the way, provides support today using the 120-minute chart. You can look at a variety of different charts to see what's going on as the trades are unfolding, as the trading day is unfolding, as the market is unfolding. Here's an example. When you look at shorter term intraday charts and then scale up from there, you look at a 15 minute chart, then you look at an hourly chart, 120, half a day, one day, and so on. Is that really any different than starting at an hourly or even a half a day, going up to a daily and then a weekly and so on? And the answer is, no, it's not, and that's precisely what's taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, how you can use all this stuff, whether you're an intraday trader, scalp trader, or a swing trader looking for the multi-day and beyond setups. It works across the board. Remember, it's the foundation of how the market works. By the way, I do want to make mention of one other thing before we move away from the SPY, which is the fact that the spider looks like it filled the gap today, but it actually did not. So when you go back to an hourly chart, you'll see that price was never as high as the daily chart would indicate. That high was over 301. In fact, it was exactly $301.14. When you go back to the hourly chart, you'll see that price never reached that level. We can certainly go on a conspiracy theory ride if you want. We've seen these before. They tend to always go to a gap, meaning it looks like the market filled the gap. Sometimes they disappear the next day. Sometimes they don't. It's a bit of a mystery. 
There's a number of theories out there. We're not going to get into the conspiracy theories here. What we're going to do is we're going to note it. It's of note. It's a really, really small puzzle piece. It's on the table. But again, the market really never made a trade up in that zone during the trading day. So we take it with a grain of salt and we move on. And by the way, if you really want to, you can certainly slide it over into the shenanigans bucket. How about Camp IWM? We started talking about Camp IWM right out of the gate inside the numbers this morning. So Camp IWM was up today. It was up more earlier, but it was still up nonetheless. What do we take away from that? What can we take away from that? Or what should we take away from that? It's certainly interesting nonetheless. It definitely created some divergences out here, and that's part of the issue. We have the IWM, and when you look at the hourly chart, the IWM looks like it's in a different position than the SPY. It actually looks like the mirror image. So you have the SPY making a bear flag pattern, and you have the IWM making a bull flag pattern. Who's going to win? And that was basically the theme inside the numbers late in the day. The question is, who's going to win? We were certainly aware of both of those items, and they did not necessarily resolve themselves, if you will, by the end of the day. So what's going to happen? They'll likely resolve in the morning. And that's where that number comes from, and that's one of the reasons why that number on the SPY is good in the short run, not necessarily in the long run. It may be, maybe not. But for this purpose right here, right now, it's only good in the short run. Look what happened once the IWM got above that trend line. We had the rocket ride. We talked about the possible vacuum. We talked about the melt up. We talked about all this stuff. That trend line was solid as a rock until it wasn't. The other day, it wasn't. Once we opened above, it was all she wrote. Short covering, panic buying, whatever you want to say, the trend line was the trend line. It's not my trend line. It's not your trend line. It's the market's trend line. The market draws the trend line. It's our job to identify the trend lines the market is following. The market thought this was important for a long, long time. Guess what? When it busted above it, it also thought that was important. Back to the hourly chart. What's your bogey in the short run in the IWM? 156.70. That number represents this low here from this breakup candle low. Therefore, at 156.70 on hourly closes, you're going to give up this potential pattern, this bull flag pattern. But at that point, it wouldn't necessarily be a bull flag pattern anymore. However, as long as price stays above the low of the breakup candle... Technically speaking, it's still okay. If the IWM is below the low of the breakup candle, then the SPY is likely down at some of those numbers below that we talked about before. What's going on down at the transportation department? We have a very similar look to the spider. And by the way, it's interesting, at least to me, that the transport's top happens to be on Friday. Maybe it holds, maybe it doesn't. And not to mention, this is my second favorite market leading indicator, but our first favorite canary in the coal mine. Is this the same kind of situation that we saw in the S&P 500 where this candle really didn't go intraday to fill the gap? And the answer is no, it's not. It actually did go up there to fill the gap. 
And when you look at an intraday chart, for example, you had a low and then a relentless run up to fill the gap. You didn't quite get there, but they made a valiant effort and then fell away for the remainder of the trading day. So we have markets that are diverging. The transports did not trade the same as the SPY. The IWM did not trade the same as the SPY, but similar to the transports. My two favorite market leading indicators traded similar to each other. That's of note. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. What's the situation on the hourly chart? Well, remember, the first thing that jumps out at me when a chart pops up on the screen is generally the most important thing. And the first thing I see is the low that was made today, the rally off the low, and the bull flag pattern that was put in after the fact. I can't help but notice that. Why? Because this is like a wind-up toy that wants to do this, not necessarily having to make new highs, but out of this pattern, that's generally what will happen. It's part of the reason we had somewhat of a divergence today. The SPY traded different, but the IWM and the transport are trading like they want to go higher. Somewhere in here is a rope-a-dope. Either the S&P 500 is going to turn around and rally, or the transports and the IWM were the rope-a-dope. They're going to turn around and go in the southern direction. How about the Qs? Are they telling us any other information we don't already know? They look pretty similar to the SPY. So we're going to have to go with they're not really giving us added information, not anything we didn't already know. What if we look deeper? What if we look at other charts? The hourly chart looks very similar to the hourly chart of the SPY. This is a bear flag pattern. So we have bullish transports. We have an IWM that was up today. We have bear flag pattern on the Qs and the SPY. Who's going to win? We'll find out first thing in the morning. How about the XLF? Does the plot thicken? Does the story get any easier or harder with the XLF? Well, it actually gets harder. I can make a case both ways with the XLF. I can make a case there's a down move and a bear flag pattern, and you can see it like this. You have this down move here and a bear flag pattern, and we can go with that, but if we don't like that and you're bullish the XLF, you can certainly say, hey, we had a nice move up off the lows and we're consolidating inside that looking for another move higher to fill the gap. Both are valid ways to look at that chart. There's a bullish way, there's a bearish way. A trader looks at both ways, the average Joe looks at which way he's biased. Not to leave anybody out, but the average Mary looks to the way she's biased. By the way, I almost forgot to mention this week we have Kabuki Theater. Wednesday we have the Fed. What happens leading up to the Fed? Well, we can have a sleeper market leading up to the Fed. We can sleep on Tuesday. They can sleep for the majority of the day on Wednesday, wait for Kabuki Theater, and then move after the fact. Certainly possible. Or sometimes, remember, it's the tail wagging the dog. Does the market want to send a message to the Fed? And if it does, it may drive prices lower, making sure that the Fed is on board with, we want easy money. We need easy money. We're addicted to easy money. And by the way, not to be confused at all, and we pay tribute to Eddie Money. What a fabulous artist. May he rest in peace. Back in our lane, moving along. 
the SMH. Any difference, any new information in the SMH? Absolutely not. We're going to move it along. When it doesn't offer us any value, we simply look elsewhere for what will. Gold, GLD. I had a request to cover gold. I think it's appropriate to cover gold. I've been saying it's a long-term breakout in gold, yet here we are going down over the last several days. So I'm getting a lot of questions coming from a lot of different angles, and I want to clear up the story so everybody's on the same page. Long-term means months and years. In between months and years, days and weeks, you're going to have corrective phases during that breakout. Here's an example. Here's a weekly chart with a gap. So just from a common sense perspective, just using the 80-20 rule, nothing magical, just using logic, is it more likely or less likely that that gap is left open or get filled before gold takes off to the upside? I would suggest it's more likely that the gap gets filled before another significant move happens to the upside. Now, that doesn't mean gold can't move up for the next several days, couple of weeks, whatever it is. But in my book, before the Heiser breach that we had a couple of weeks ago, I would think that that gap would first be filled. That would essentially tidy up the weekly chart. Where does the long-term breakout break apart? Where does it no longer happen? Where is it no longer a long-term breakout? Below that trend line that you see running across the screen. Where does that come from? Comes from the monthly chart. Look at that breakout. Once we got above that trend line, what happened? Something very similar to what happened in the IWM, wasn't it? All of a sudden, we got some panic buying going on. Focus in on last month's candle. The low of that candle happens to be 132.31. If you've watched enough of these videos, you'll know that if, in fact, we see price down around 132, would that likely be support or an area where we would want to sell into it because we think a lot lower prices are coming? And the answer is, that's an area that under normal garden variety market conditions would be support for the market. Maybe not that particular day, maybe not the same hour that it hits it, but under normal garden variety market conditions, that would be an area that would be supportive of the market. By the way, that's below the gap we just looked at from the weekly chart. So you see what happens. The longer view you have, the more you can see how the day-to-day swings when you have the long view of a chart like gold saying, hey, I think higher prices are coming, and that's what I do think. I think a lot higher over a long period of time. So what's 50 40 80 even $100 below where we are now in the price of gold futures? Is that really a big deal in the big scheme of things? And the answer is no. It's actually more expected than not. It's not going to go in a straight line anywhere. It's going to go in fits and starts, ebbs and flows, up and down, back and forth. It's physics for every action. There is a reaction. And there is your subliminal hint for the day. For every action, there is a reaction. The entire Lazy E-Mini Trader course is riddled with that information in one way, shape, or form or another. Before we go, we have to cover crude oil. 
What would it be like if I didn't cover crude oil after it was up about 15% or more at one point today? Whatever it was, it finished the day up $7 on crude oil. I don't know when the last time we had a move like this was in crude oil. I'm sure there's somebody out there that does know. This is obviously in response to the attack that happened in Saudi Arabia on the crude oil fields. So you would expect crude to open higher, trade higher. It was just a matter of how high was it going to open Sunday night. If you were long energy, you got rewarded. If you tried to hop on board, you may or may not have made money. It's very hard to buy into those type of panic buying scenarios. Mostly they're spectator sports unless you're already in the game. Where's it going? Well, here's a weekly chart, and you would think under normal garden variety market conditions, 65, 62 is a high, somewhere up in that neighborhood, if it can get above this breakdown candle high, it would challenge that number up here. Above that, a whole nother ball game. It's not here yet, but anything is possible because why? Because we don't know if that was the first of a dozen strikes, of half a dozen strikes. We don't know if there's going to be retaliation. We don't know anything. You have to be prepared for everything. It may be a one-day wonder in crude oil, but there's also another side to the coin, which is I think there's an equal amount of opportunity for higher prices. At least for me, I need to see more activity at a crude. I may be willing to trade an extreme on the upside, meaning on the short side, if it gets to a high enough number. But right now, crude oil for me is a spectator sport. And with that, I am going to give it a wrap here tonight. Pull the ripcord. I'm David Frost. I want to tell each and every one of you out there, I appreciate all of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. So thank you for being a loyal follower. And of course, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.